Greetings, Force users of all ages, and welcome back to Inside the Tauntaun, a Star Wars podcast where we get to the guts of what makes Star Wars meaningful to us. As always, I'm Dino Nicandros. That's Alyssa Simmons. Oh, wait. <laughs> it is? She, she couldn't. She couldn't be bothered to be here because she's uh, serving America right now. And, uh, Hi, I'm, I'm not Alyssa gonna... Simmons. <laughs> she's uh, she's serving our country in the uh, United States military, and I won't elaborate any further on what that means. No, I'll, let her explain I'll elaborate. She's fighting Sharknados. Quite possibly. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's Daniel Dawson. Oh, hello there. And this episode's for the boys for the just bros. a couple of dudes one in his closet <laughs> one not <laughs> which is ironic really which because... is which <laughs> <laughs> but uh we are outside the tauntaun again uh this week we're talking loki episode five yes. journey into mystery directed by kate heron written by tom kaufman and michael waldron and by God, we're Marvel fans. Oh, I thought they smelled bad on the outside. Apparently, we're also Batman fans as well. We're also Batman fans. We're Marvel fans. Because I don't know where Rachel is. <laughs> <laughs> Swear to me. Swear to me. Oh, my God. Well, um, actually, hilarious that we bring up Batman because I don't, I mean, I've, I don't know if it was an homage to that, but there was part of this episode that definitely felt like a really cute tip of the hat to the old Batman. Adam West. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Just oh, like yeah. so ridiculous and wonderful. Uh, the Batman and Scooby-Doo. Yeah, yeah. It had a real Scooby-Doo feel to it. Totally. But that's what really characterized this episode to me was just the the constant changing of, of tones and pacing. And normally when pacing is kind of all over the place like that, you, you call the, the show or movie a mess, but it sure. absolutely serves what's happening here. And yeah, I don't know. That was, I, I think I said after I texted you guys after the episode was over, I was like, that was just wild. Wild. Yeah. Literally was, just the wildest. Just... <laughs> but yeah, it's like, it, it was like not afraid to to be ridiculous and to yep. look ridiculous and um it was just like a giant a giant love letter to all the comics um yes. it was so fun i mean literally a garbage heap of comic lore <laughs> a literal actual garbage heap of jo- yeah true some of the deepest cuts imaginable some i you know i'm not familiar with cuz i i have oh read yeah no i every had to do a single deep... run of these characters but uh... i had to do a major deep dive for this one cuz there were so um, many that i was like wait what i know that's a thing but what is that uh but yeah we'll we'll section off a portion Woo-woo! of this episode just to talk about uh the trash heap. The trash. Uh, all of, of the trash. wonders. The cave of wonders. The comic here. trash. Um, That's what we are. We're we're just comic trash here. But we'll we'll do just a like a, a a 
quick little summary. You all watched it, but um, you did. So Loki, after being pruned, we find in the post-credit sequence of the last episode, he has not passed away. He is instead, in what we come to find out, is the void. The void. Think of it as limbo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's pretty explicitly described in the episode as a a trash bin for variants that have been pruned and it exists at the very near or very near to the end of time yeah they describe it as the end of time but it turns right. out that it's just almost it's very close time. yeah yeah and i and the way that they the way that they described it kind of it spooked me out i love it though and i feel like i've heard the way it's time has been described to this in in several other ways or several other instances but um that you know there may be a bunch of varying ways of how the timelines you know go but they always end up at the same point like way way down the line they they end somehow they end the same way which is like kind of like a spooky thing it's like no matter what you do it will always end this way well and and that's an interesting point because you think about loki specifically and classic loki or richard e grant mm-hmm. talks a bit about how what why, why do we do this every time we, we we stab everybody in the back we cut everybody's throat we yep. betray everybody who loves us yep and every time it ends in absolute catastrophe <laughs> right it's like we we are always for for power glorious purpose and it always it, it takes me back fail. to the Mobius line from I maybe it was the first episode where he said, you know, for somebody so smart and so ambitious, you sure do lose a lot. Yeah. And it's true. And and uh, it's just further like confirmation literally the of biggest that with, ego e- blow to Loki. Right. And and every Loki I mean, uh-huh. we find out every Loki is just even when it goes right. A, a classic Loki is self-described as somebody who. uh had everything go his way pretty Mm -hmm. much his entire life until we find out he experiences his moment with Thanos. So to your point, Daniel, this, this classic Loki is basically what happens. And we've talked about it in a couple of earlier, earlier episodes. This is what happens when Tom Hiddleston's Loki grows old. This is like the continuation of him. But, uh, but he manages to evade Thanos with his mastery of illusions, projecting illusions, space trash, pretending to be, yeah, just debris. And he goes and hides in exile. And yet he still ends in failure. Right. Because he he avoided the, right. Poor guy. Which is another common theme. uh, Yep. With Loki's loneliness and the need, he, yeah, for... he kind of made sort of the same realization, but in a different way. Like the, right. his narcissism has left him completely alone. Yeah, yeah. So, so the exploration of time here is real, real interesting. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, the multiverse just continues to feel more and more real. But it would be, it would be quite interesting if, if all of those multiverses somehow ended up you know all of those characters ended up at a, the same point or a similar point at the end yeah. of their respective timelines and i imagine if if we have characters in the future uh 
meeting alternate versions of themselves, they'll have to compare notes on on what went down in their timeline or or how yeah. to address problems in their own. And, right. And that that could that lends to some really cool team ups and totally. Um, but anyway, back back to this episode. So he he uh, is confronted well confronted or found by uh, four other Loki variants. So we have the classic Loki. We have boastful Loki, who kind of looks like a Thor hybrid. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have kid Loki and alligator Loki. <laughs> it's one of the, one of the absolute stars Gator of this Loki. episode. Just I literally like they. <laughs> Every time they just gave the Gator Loki a close up and he just looks like he's got a smile on his face. And it's just like. It's just. <laughs> and I love. Like his I silence how, says a thousand words, you know? Yes. And I love how Richard E. Grant basically just translates for him. <laughs> There's a moment near the end when <laughs> where they're, they're, they're facing off against uh, Eliath. We'll talk about it in a second. Oh my God, Eliath. And then the crocodile's sitting there, and he makes some kind of noise, and he said, "He's praying. He thinks we're about to die." <laughs> like, <love>. What? <laughs> uh, but I love how, the, like, the introduction of alligator Loki. We're just now conditioned to be in that weird space where it's like, fine, okay, yeah. There's an there's an alligator sure. variant of Loki. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, and they they don't really bother to explain because they're no. just like there. There's no reason to. That's the fifth weirdest thing I've seen. Thus far. I mean, it's just, um, so Loki runs off with them and, uh, you know, he's explaining he's got to get out of there and they're kind of like, well, this is existence. We're stuck here in large part due to this giant sentient cloud, uh, called Eliath. Big purple fart gas. Big purple fart gas that reminded me. Uh, did you did you see the um, Fantastic Four films from the early two thousands? Do you know that I've literally missed every single one of them? As in, you had, you did not see them. Yeah, I haven't seen any of them. How crazy! Is oh, that? well, you, you missed uh, missed some great filmmaking. Is that right? I heard the. <laughs> I heard yeah. I heard different. I don't well, know. Well, I well, <laughs> no they. <laughs> I will not besmirch them. Besmirch. But I'm not going to say anything nice about them either. <laughs> um, <laughs> there we go. There we go. Um, but in uh, Rise of the Silver Surfer, which is mm. the sequel, uh, there's a depiction of Galactus, the famous Marvel villain in that film, as a giant planet-eating cloud. Mm. That's how they depict him, which was very controversial and... You're like, why? Uh, why would they do that? Why would you do that? My master Galactus is a giant planet-eating cloud. But that's what uh, Eliath kind of reminded me of. But uh, this Eliath is interesting. Um, it has a long-standing role in the comics. Yeah, he does exist in the comics. And uh, or maybe I'll hold off on exists. explaining the ties when, when we kind of get to the end of the episode. Sure. As we speculate on who's on the other side of, yeah, because mm-hmm. El- Eliath is very much tied to yep. that character. Lots of clues. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so Eliath, Eliath's job, basically in the void, is to be the vacuum cleaner, and 
stop variants from leaving and returning to the timeline from which they were plucked. So it's he's a giant jailer. You know, the thing sorts. that came to my mind when watching it, because um, I, I, I hadn't read, read those comics, so I don't know what Eliath was until I had to Google it, but it reminded me of the... Um, the the nothingness from the never ending story yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. very very much so I, I i didn't think about that um turn around so meanwhile <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile in the the tva so we last left uh sylvie has confronted ravona and um ravona <sighs> She's confusing in this episode. She's, she's all over the place. Yeah, and not getting a read on this chick, but I'm mean, obviously sus of her the whole time, but just like, wait, what the hell? Well, because she originally starts out like very agreeable in that it's like, I want to find out what's behind the TVA too. And we're like, sure. wait, well, wait, a- but like, you, do- you don't know? Yeah. But she, but then, but then again, she's so hell bent on upholding the, tva bureaucracy and like right but for but for what yeah it's strange like my my only thought is that she obviously knows something she she knows yes. how the tva works and she she obviously knows that everybody's variants and i mean probably including herself even right. um but what she might not know is that her memory may have been wiped yeah and she doesn't know what she is a variant from. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's very possible. And but I mean, we do see her kind of pull a very quick deception. Yeah. On on, on her, which which then snapped back and I was like, sh- uh, she knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. To uh, to it's, to some level. So so I mean I was gonna say, like, do you like um do you think that she like knows everything or do you think that she just knows more than she's saying but she still doesn't actually know who's in charge well i i guess we have to talk about him right now so kang yeah here we go here i we mean go. It, it's it's unavoidable unavoidable it's at this point it's and fine we're gonna be talking and we'll pre- about it we'll preface our discussion on kang as uh don't treat this as like a mephisto level uh conspiracy like this is very real one because we already know who the actor playing him is yeah he's confirmed on the way so it would be i would venture to say there are far more clues in this show that lead to kang than there were ever about very concrete and especially in this episode and ravona continues to be one of those because as we've mentioned previously ravona in the comics is basically a consort or a girlfriend or a wife or a queen to to kang at different periods now i um i don't know um you may have already said this too but um is she like his girlfriend by choice (laughs) yeah well i haven't read every you know i i haven't read most of the the runs that include kang because he does intersect with just so many characters but i i do believe it is a consensual and she's uh, a princess? Question mark relationship. At, yeah, at one point, I mean, she has kind of different roles, right? Um, but the constant is that I, they do love each other. As, They're banging, as far as I remembered. They're <laughs> yes. having time babies. They're having time babies. Mm-hmm. Uh, at, at one point, uh, Kang has a, a big old identity crisis because she she gets killed. And oh shit! Spoiler alert. Um, 
yeah, I don't think that's happening here. But it just, <laughs> it just, she, she had, if Kang is really kind of behind all of this, yeah, she has to know. Well, maybe not. Unless I they mean, just I, kind I, of change their relationship dynamic. I wonder though. But, uh, or it could be kind of a, you know, let's say it's a compromise that she knows who Kang is. She knows what he's capable of doing, what he's been up to. But maybe she lost him somewhere along the way and doesn't realize that he's behind the TVA. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's a revelation for her, too. Maybe that's a big aha moment for her character. It's like, oh, my God, you. You know, I thought you were lost in time somewhere. So, lost in time. Maybe there's some element of that. But really, when when she kind of turns on Sylvie really quickly and then with her her discussion in the cell with Hunter B-15. Mm-hmm. Uh, she just, she just know, and and Hunter B fifteen alludes to this. Like you know, far, you know exactly what's going on. Yeah, here. you, you know far more than you're bitch. letting on. Um, so Sylvie has a confrontation after Ravona pulls a fast one on her, and Sylvie uh, prunes herself once she figures out uh, through her discussion with Ravona that Loki is not dead, and also that, that she has a temp pad on her. Right, but she she suspects that she can get him out and and you know her her main goal is that if i go down into that void she's starting to piece it together that there's something on the other side of it mm-hmm. that that um well she kind of like very very briefly like touches minds with the uh with alioth or whatever yeah yeah well, yeah well, well, yeah once she arrives and and she sees it and yeah interesting so she 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 prunes herself, has an immediate run-in with Elias, and is saved. She gets so so lucky. Yes, gets saved uh, in a car that looks. And now this might be a Disney deep dive here. Sure, go for it. But that looks like a a, a pizza port. <gasps> yeah, yeah. Delivery. I can totally car. see that. Yeah, obviously with like the the pizza on top of it. Yeah. Well, and it's like very ridiculous and like Toy Story looking. Or right. Not Toy Story. I mean, well, yeah, Toy Story. Yeah, looking, Toy Story. Yeah. Made more, or is it? It's Pizza Port, right? Not Pizza. Yeah, it's Planet. Pizza Port. You're it's right. Pizza Port. Yeah, yeah. Or Pizza Planet. Pizza Planet. Is it Pizza Planet? Pizza Port is what's at Disneyland. <laughs> That's right. It's Pizza Planet. Excuse me. Sorry, Pixar fans. Um, but speaking of Pixar, who's driving the Pizza Planet car? None other than Mobius. Yeah. Played by Owen Wilson. And a fun little who is uh, a, also a Pixar character yeah, from right. uh, from Cars. Oh, wow. Um, wow! Oh my God, a car driving a car! It's so oh. meta. Um, he the the car's license plate. Um, it says uh, G. I think it says G R N W one D. I think, which is a little tip of the hat nod to Grindwald. Um, who was a writer, oh, yeah. editor, yeah. who they based his character off of. Right. Yeah. Very cute. Um, so she 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 gets saved by Mobius, and um, they're both off to look for Loki, and and they they have some a, a really nice moment in the in the car, and and uh, you, it's kind of at this moment you find out that they both really do care about. Loki. And yeah. This episode was really big on the humanizing of our of our protagonists. Totally. And 
um, kind of the other big theme was the development of trust, like genuine yes. trust, which is not a Loki trait. Yep. And, from and any of them. Even Mobius, like, you know, takes accountability for his mistake and, you know, and he's right, right. He's sorry apologizes to. and said, you know, when you think the ends justify the means, you'll do anything. Right. And and he points out that even Sylvie is the same. It's yeah. Like, she, yes, she, I mean, I'm I mean, at fault for, you know, we're at fault for ruining your life. But in order to kind of correct that injustice or avenge that injustice, you did a lot of bad things. She, like, hella murdered a lot of people. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, and that, that's what's so kind of agonizing about this show. And we've talked about, like, how we can never completely trust prime Loki, Tom Hiddleston's Loki. Right. Because his track record is just shitty. Oh, you know what? Actually, somebody – oh, damn it. I did it again. I in my deep dives there was somebody that was that was um arguing this point and I I kind of love it um that the the reason why um the reason why Loki's never get to really like they they're seemingly always in this trap of like um doing something bad and then redemption and then doing something bad and then redemption is because they um they've all been pruned before they ever had a chance to really like fully redeem themselves and have their like aha moment and like come to where Tom Hiddleston's sure. character um, in this comes to where he's like, yes, I'm a narcissist and I, yeah. this is a problem. That's you a know? good. That, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually a, ve a very good point. And, and it justifies his continued existence as like the Loki, the Marvel cinematic universe will will follow most likely yeah yeah you because know, he's like things, the most things could well rounded get... and or, or right like the, and he's fully maybe not fully reached his arc but yeah because things things are about to get really messy with the supposed coming of the multiverse mm -hmm. and you do need an anchor and <laughs> yeah yeah you do want the last 10 years of of films and tv shows to matter and mm -hmm. you want all of those stakes to remain intact even though you're expanding kind of the background understanding of how it all came to be but so i so i i think that that's actually a very good explanation and kind of keeps us grounded with with this loki yeah but, um um so meanwhile Lo loki's off with the other loki's and they they go to their little secret underground <laughs> hideout their bowling alley lair and uh, I mean, just yeah, <laughs> it's just like another garbage bin of of just little trinkets. And, oh, it's wonderful! And funny little references. And uh, I don't remember is that is that where we see uh, Throg? It sure is. Yes, yes. <laughs> Throg in a jar. Freaking Throg! Oh my God! So for those of you that that watched or and maybe saw like what looked like a little mini Thor in a jar, it was actually. Uh, frog version of Thor, um, and actually on the jar itself, it was I think it was labeled T three sixty five, which, of course, is the comic that Throg appears in. Yes, um, which is probably one of the most on the nose <laughs> Easter eggs yes. we've ever gotten. But it, I, it, in my opinion, I think it's probably because there. I think there's a few different iterations of Throg, like one where he just is Throg, and then there's another right. one where Thor gets turned into a frog and I think it's that version because um you can see like as they're panning down very fast you can see him kind of like hopping up 
towards Mjolnir, which is like a full size Mjolnir. So like, yeah. you know, it, it could be that maybe that's his Mjolnir before he turned into a frog. Right. Well, and there's even a reference. I think was it in uh, Ragnarok where Loki talks about how he actually turned Thor into a frog once yes. when they were a kid. Yes. So that, that's a funny little wink to totally to that as well. Um. So they're all kind of sitting around. Well, you know, it's interesting that you say that because, um, well, maybe I'm jumping ahead too, but uh, but like Kid Thor says that he Kid Loki. Sorry, Kid Loki. Thank yep. you. Um, mm-hmm. killed Kid Thor. Like, yeah, he murdered yeah. his brother. So, like, whoa. But, whoa. like, you know, wonder because, you know, he's kind of a liar, you know? Like, Loki's known, known has been known to tell a bunch of lies. Well, yeah, maybe, I mean. Maybe that sorry. is his brother in the jar. Yeah, 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 could be. Or, yeah, I, mean, uh, I killed I, him, but really, technically, I turned him into a frog and buried him. <laughs> or, or uh, you know, it's the counterpart of Alligator Loki and Alligator Loki. yeah did something to him but uh, <laughs> i can't i can't believe there's an alligator loki i just i um, love it too much but but yeah uh, uh to that exact point you just made they are liars and boastful loki is sitting there and they're all kind of gabbing about what their lives looked like and he says well i i killed iron man and captain america or i defeated them and then acquired <laughs> all six infinity stones and ruled over the universe like, oh and, sure 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 and then the, right, right, then right, right, the right. alligator like makes some noise and richard e grant's like that's transition for he's lying yeah he's like <laughs> <laughs> and then uh and then uh we, we talked about it at the beginning of the episode but richard e grant talks about how he was basically the loki we know who succeeded and then when it came time to die at the hand of Thanos, he managed to evade him. Evade him and lived by himself and became very lonely. And in that loneliness, in his exile, developed quite the array of powers and mastery yeah. over illusion. Um, and he but wanted Loki, to go see his brother. So And he wanted to go see his brother. And, and it was at that moment that they... Right. Got him. Right. Pruned right. him. And 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 that's again goes back to the uh the point your uh your phantom source made about the phantom source. Them them getting uh pruned before they're allowed to have become something other than what they've been. And at the moment he misses his brother. Mm-hmm. Bye. Yep. Yeah, and actually that you bring up an interesting point, if you go back to where they took Sylvie, you know, she's like playing with her little Valkyrie toy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, perhaps she was like at that moment, like on her way to being a hero. And they're like, no, you're not supposed to be the hero. Right, right. Well, yeah, she grew up maybe, 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 yeah, her upbringing. We've talked about it. Her parents were very honest about where she came from, mm-hmm. which means she might not have had the fractured relationship with right. Odin and Frigga. And and for all we know, she hasn't really talked about it. Maybe her relationship with Thor is great. And, yeah. And uh, maybe it, it took eight years for them to kind of realize where she was headed. Like, and oh, then decide, this isn't good. Like, uh, this is, she's not. It's not enough conflict. <laughs> right. Get rid of it. Um, 
that being said, I think it's safe to say that they're they're kind of just taking all of the Lokis regardless of like yes. how how good they're doing in any timeline. Um but L- Loki our Loki what says he uh he thinks uh Eliath can be killed and well yeah, because it, it's alive, been said so that it's alive, yeah. If he's alive, he can be killed. Right. And he gives this great resounding speech yes and enlisting the help of the other loki's and they laugh in his face (laughs) and uh as he leaves the lair to to go presumably kill eliath he opens it and he is confronted by another loki um another set of loki's (laughs) another set yeah another set of loki's uh, oh, because apparently we've sort of, um, uh, I think we may have not said this, but it sounds like the only, because, you know, there are survivors. So they're really the only variants that seem to, or at least survive the longest in the void. Because they're just, yeah. they just managed to, you know, escape being sucked up by Aelioth. But he's confronted by another Loki. Looks, it's Tom Hiddleston, and he. This is presidential candidate Loki, <laughs> which is straight from the comics. Yes, again, I thought it was a two thousand. It was a two thousand sixteen. I think so. Run, I think. Um, and also, um, one of the Lokis, uh, that they pointed out in, um, was it the first episode? I think you know how he was like showing all of the Lokis, like I think. Um, Mobius was showing like different versions. Of, oh, you're right. Yes. Yeah, and one of them had like these weird horns, and it was in the glasses, and he was yep. up there too. Yeah. Um. So they kind of barge their way into the hideout, and and he says, "I'm taking over with with this army." And then boastful Loki is like, "Wait, you guys, you said you would uh." You know, help me take this place over. And there's just this big argument. <laughs> All the Lokis deceiving each other. Uh, and this is kind of the uh, the Adam West. Yes. Batman Scooby-Doo moment we were referencing. At I the mean, beginning. they're basically like playing like a 60s version of the Loki theme song. Like, you know, which right. is like... <laughs> It's like straight out of the the Batman. And they uh, all had their own different agendas and side deals with each other. And so funny. It's so funny. And then push comes to shove, literally, and crocodile or alligator Loki bites off the hand of <laughs> and he just presidential like a Loki. Girl. <laughs> which is kind of a great uh, little Peter Pan nod. Totally. Think, a little Captain Hook. Um, and so th- through this struggle, uh classic loki is projecting himself all over the place he's projecting versions of himself to kind of fight everybody off and and he and loki and the others manage to uh escape yeah he like Um, well yeah he was able to open a portal which he like was interesting because like that's a a thing that the uh whatchamacallit stone did and he just can just do that oh the space stone the space stone yeah yeah yeah, inter- yeah, his powers are very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Loki is found by Sylvie and Mobius. 
they have uh this the, this episode was like a whole lot of convenience going on but of course yes. they, they have to because i mean we're, yes. this, this show is ending in one more like episode right <laughs> and loki kind of introduces the gang and again i love when when he says that alligator, he's looking at Sylvie, and he's like, that alligator is also a Loki. And her eyebrows are just like, uh, I, I'm sorry? <laughs> it's like, yeah, just, just, let it, just let it happen. Um, oh, and the, I, I forgot about it. When they were in the, the lair, and they were all sitting around, and, and Loki was telling them about Sylvie. And he's like, "There's have, you, have any of you ever encountered a, a female version of us? And he said, oh, God, that would be horrifying. <laughs> Uh, just Richard E. Grant with all the shade. I love it. Too um, funny. But uh, it's here where we seemingly part ways with our our Loki variants because they they say they're they live here now. Their yeah. their existence is, is to just home. survive, right? And and this is home for them. Um, well, Sylvie, it's, I, it's hard. I would imagine just kind of like you know, like the Matrix. It's like once you know the Matrix is like not real you don't like going back into right. it is like un- unless somebody was gonna like erase their memory of what they just went through I I, right. I I can't imagine going back into your same timeline and just pretending that none of that happened right you know well so sylvie had the initial counter with Elioth where she grabbed hold of a what a wisp of smoke i guess mm-hmm. of cloud and and peered through it and, and saw that there was indeed something on the other side of this void that they're in. Yeah. So she's developed the bright idea that uh, she can enchant Elioth just as she has done previously and... Uh, previously on Loki. And and open the door, as it were, to whatever's laying beyond where they are. Um, So, I mean, they off they go to do that, but that... Before that, um, Loki and Mobius have a great, a great moment that just warmed the cockles of my heart. Oh, the cock! Oh, where uh, Mobius is going to go back to the TVA and, in his words, burn it down. Yeah, I great. don't know how he uh, intends to kind of uproot all of that, and he's going to have to deal with Ravona. And he I'm said, sure "There's a confrontation." Thank you for giving me the spark. Right, and. They share a, a, a hug that you just, you feel the hug. Yeah. And I love his little, like, <laughs> he's, like, looking straight at Sylvie. He said, you're my favorite one. But, like, right. you know, obviously, like, thinking that the Tom Hiddleston version of Loki is thinking it's him. It's very, very funny. Right. Yeah. So so Mobius is going back to the TVA, seemingly to deal with Ravona, which leaves Loki and Sylvie to deal with oh can i just say for a second yeah like how crazy it is that that one trailer basically showed us something from every single episode yeah like there's still stuff in the trailer we haven't seen yet yeah that's that they did it in such a way as to like and the 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 marketing for this show was was brilliant because as you said they showed us a we didn't know it at the time but they showed us a piece of every episode and we had no idea what was going on truly i mean put me in the camp of oh look it's black widow yeah right 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 on on a planet that looks an awful lot like vormir like the the, like the misdirect was just very smartly done yeah Mm -hmm. uh, their secrets have been so well protected here 
Um, so, but so now we've got Loki and Sylvie going to face down Eliath, and she's going to need a distraction of some kind if she's going to enchant the son of a bitch. Um, some very epic superhero moments. And when Kid Loki, it was Kid Loki, right? When they're they're leaving, gives Loki a, a short sword. Oh yeah, that sword is so dope. It was Kid Loki who gave it to him. Right? Yeah, it was. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and Loki has wielded this in the comics many times over, so it was another great weapon. Tip the to kind hat. Of... Tip the hat. They draw Eliath's attention. Loki runs off ignites this sword to try and distract him, but he's not interested in being distracted. He's about to swallow Sylvie. Yikes. And then his attention is drawn yet again, and we get one of the coolest action sequences in Marvel full stop. So epic, yeah. Just so friggin' cool. You have classic Loki building a giant illusion of Asgard. I mean, whoa. Recreating the entire cityscape. Uh and and this is this was so great and I I noticed it at the time and I I checked other sources to make sure I wasn't crazy, but Natalie Holt, who's the composer of Loki and mm. who, who, by the way is just killing it, killing especially it, totally. this episode was just so epic. It sounded like uh, the first few chords of Flight of the Valkyries. Oh my God! Dun, I dun, dun, love dun, that. Dun, 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 uh, dun, dun. Yes. I was like, that is that is such a great Asgardian <laughs> nod. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't resolve, but it starts that way. Totally. I was like, oh, that's just. They knew. What I, they're doing. I love when they do that. Very I love when smart. They do that. Tapping into the the Wagner. Norse mythology musically. Even like non music nerds, like I think pick up on that. Like they may yes. not know that they are, but like that it's just a very, very brilliant way to like take your mind there. And so while he's doing that, Loki runs over to Sylvie and she's like, We gotta enchant it, we're gonna do it together. And he says, I don't know how. I can't I don't know how I don't have that power. And she's like, Yes, you do. We're the same. Which is just the delivery of that line by Sophia. Martino is beautiful beautiful but, but also we have seen him do that before but I guess arguably you could say that he doesn't know how to do it yet because Thor Ragnarok is really in the future for this particular Loki variant right well and um, he's also the Loki up to this point has used the the staff with the mind stone in it to control people right I mean, so it was never it was never a power that belonged to him. So, yeah, interesting to see him realize what's inside him. And then she so even is it, asks. Is this like, I, I guess I, what I'm trying to figure out is like, do Lokis just like, when they, they learn magic, like, do they just like, like, oh, yeah, I don't need this magic item anymore. I just know how to do it. Like, for instance, like, Loki being able to, like, warp with the space stone, and he's just like, oh, yeah, I got this now. I don't need the warp. I don't need the stone anymore. And then same thing with this, like, mind control. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I got this. Yeah, I suppose given enough time, they figure out. The mechanism. You know, because consider classic Loki was, was in exile, so he clearly honed his He had a lot of craft, time. As it were. Yeah. Um. 
So interesting. But so, Sylvie asks Loki, you know, how is classic Loki able to do that? And he said, and I love Loki's line here where he says, I think we're stronger than we realize. Yeah, it's cool. Suggesting that they, they all can do that. They just haven't had the, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, the inciting incident in their life that necessitated being able to do that. So Yeah, and it's kind of a, I think it's a good message just for for anybody who's watching. I think that everybody is, you know, I think can empathize with that. We're all stronger than we realize. Right. You know? We're right. only, like, really utilizing a very small portion of our brain. You know what I mean? I know. Like, Le- I mean, less than 10%. Yeah, least... we're all capable of so much more. So, Eliath takes the bait, and the two of them are able to uh, are able to enchant him. And unfortunately... Before they do. Classic, yeah, classic Loki is devoured, wiped away by by Eliath, but it's such a great moment because he's cackling. And, oh, he's, and he, and I don't he's know. He's found if his glorious he's, purpose. He's, yeah, he like yells out glorious purpose, but he's like, he's literally like laugh crying, which is like, yeah. I is my favorite emotion, I think, ever. Yeah. And R- R- yeah, Richard E. Grant is a master. Yeah. Yeah. It was so great. He's like literally crying and laughing at the same time. And like, he, I mean, I'm sure, like, you know, it was just a bunch of green screen, but he knew how epic it probably was. <laughs> like, that's just such a cool Yeah. Way to I go. wouldn't be surprised if that was like his, his, what was kind of going on in his head. It's like, this is so effing cool right now. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, if you watched Richard E. Grant on the press tour for Rise of Skywalker, oh. and every time somebody asked him what it was like being in Star Wars, he said, this is all I ever wanted. Yeah. <laughs> he is literally this living out his nerdiest dreams. Yeah. And he had just been nominated for an Academy Award. And, and, and things are going like, well for Richard E. Grant. Yeah. He's another case of like, he's been around, he's been a successful actor his whole life, but he's really getting that later in life success, which you always love to see. Very cool. And, um, very, very cool. But yeah, he's cackling and yells glorious purpose and. It's cool that he found his helping, you know, he kind of found the redemption he wasn't allowed to have. Yeah, it's probably his most selfless act. Um, If you believe he's really gone. Yeah. If you believe an actor of that caliber was brought in just for an episode. (laughs) No, right? That kind of like, wow. Hard to believe, but I guess it's possible. Um, So they managed to enchant Eliath and the, the clouds part. And a portal opens, and we see what looks to be a castle, an old castle, sitting at the literal end of time and space. Yep. And Which, honestly, again, was kind of another callback to Neverending Story for me, because I don't know if you all seen the movie or not, but, um, like, after the nothingness, like, basically devours everything, the only thing that's left is, like, this little island floating in space with like a little castle on top where mm-hmm. the Empress resides. Yep. Sebastian, call my name. <laughs> <laughs> but that's of course how they uh end the episode and Oh my god. And they're like, just holding hands, they're damn the prince it. and princess heading into the unknown. Well, literally I'm... heading into wait, what is this called? Journey into mystery. The name of the episode, which and, also, by the way, is the comic that introduced Thor. Yes, yes, that that was uh, in the original Thor series was went under this name for a long time. Yeah, 
but uh, I, I think I've mentioned the end of another episode kind of reminded me of the end of Fellowship of the Ring when when Sam and oh, Frodo yeah. are, are just looking at Mount Doom. They see Mordor, yeah. And you're like, wait, you're 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 ending the movie now. You're like, what the fuck? Like you see Mordor off in the distance. Like, I now The journey has just begun. But luckily we only have to wait a week to see what's Yeah what's in that portal. But uh that was the episode um, The penultimate. Uh from a summary standpoint, but there's some stuff to unpack here. We need to unpack things. So let, well let's let's start right where we are. So Oh sure, that, okay. That castle. Yeah. The heavy betting money is yep. on that being Kang's place of residence. Kang's place. Hey, yeah. come on down to Kang's place. Come on down to Kang's place. Two for one deal. <laughs> but yeah, I mean Kang's Fourth of July sale. If you if you look up like Alioth and like what Alioth is like usually or not usually, I mean like what he is sort of you know, um what's the word? Protecting? Is he protecting it? So so in the context of this show, Alioth or uh Eliath is um, Eliath, sorry. Eliath, god damn it. Uh he is protecting Kang we're we're just assuming for discussion's sake this is Kang's place sure. of residence. Eliath is protecting Kang's residence. In the comics, Eliath is actually more an antagonistic figure that Eli- uh Kang is trying to keep out. Right. So they've repur- this is another case of uh Marvel Studios kind of repurposing plot lines and rearranging them so as to not you know be a complete copy. telegraph everything that's coming um but this castle looks a lot like where kang dwells in limbo um now this is where it gets interesting with kang okay so we're operating under the idea that these marvel tv shows their their primary focus is to develop character mm-hmm. in a way that the movies can't, and, and well then now tie we're not up... just we're not just world building we're universe building <laughs> right, but so that that has to be their primary goal is to flesh out characters right and then the secondary goal is whatever story they're telling to wrap it up in whatever time they're given in a nice big self you know a, a self contained kind of bow put a bow on the self-contained story but also sprinkle in ideas for what is to come so that the series role isn't necessarily to have the big huge reveals that would that would be like movie level reveals which sounds kind of like what kang would be he would but which is kind of why i'm like it's i feel like it's we are getting so many hints that lead to Kang, which would make me go. I'm surpri- I wouldn't be surprised if it was Kang, but also, it just feels like um, we're being led to think that. And but which- here's where, but the, it's it, it's interesting because I think it can be both things at once: Kang, but not Kang. And let me sure, explain. yeah, maybe somebody that is related to Kang, but like. Well, no, I don't even mean that. I mean, a variant of Kang. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and, that's interesting. And the, this castle in Limbo belongs to a variant of Kang mm. called Immortus. Right, 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 right. And 
I, I don't want to go too far into this because Immortus is basically like the one that's like at the end of time, right? Like, and he's basically a puppet of the timekeepers, or the timekeepers enlist Kang to basically protect the timeline, as opposed to doing what Kang was doing beforehand, destroying it, right? And in return, he's basically given eternal life, and he can. So this is this is this is post his conquering times. Immortus, yeah, yeah, and. And much of Kang's character arc from is avoiding that eventuality. Sure. Much of like Kang's motivation in the comics is to not become Immortus and not Kang, become Kang a slave of the Because Kang knows that keep. that exists, and he's just he like, figures no. it out because he's hopping all over the place. Right. So what if we are introduced to a version of Kang, but not, but not necessarily Jonathan Majors, prime, quote unquote prime Kang. Sure. That's and I actually think that's 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 a way to both go, yeah, he Kang exists. is a thing. We can kind of sprinkle in some details about about him, mm-hmm. but it also leaves the reveal of him to the big screen and potentially a much easier version of Kang to like right be rid of, right? Yeah, because and that's and, the other question too is that whatever's on the other side of this. You know, whatever's whoever is in that castle or whatever's in that castle, do you think that they will overthrow it or just be like, "Oh, hey, nice to know you're here." Um, I I don't know, I I don't know, but the the idea of it being a like the last Kang variant, mm-hmm. it'd be really cool if we got to see what happens to him at the end end of time, and then once we're introduced to the Kang that will likely terrorize the MCU for the next, you know, for the foreseeable future. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see his motivation before we even meet him, which cool. is to avoid whatever fate he has. Yeah. Very, very cool. There, that, that's one option. Um, I, um, I had a thought. Yeah. And, um, I was actually talking with Kurt, um, last night and actually today too. Um, my, uh, and I, I was just thinking about how like this show is kind of like potentially like a parable in a way to mm-hmm. like the writers of the MCU and you know how they um there's just so many different comics and different versions of the comics and um that the void could literally be like a parable for the fourth wall. Mm-hmm. And they are about to go through the fourth wall to meet like the man behind the curtain or the person who is like writing the show, but not actually, but like, you know, it's all a parable for that. So whoever could be on the other side of this might actually be like the version of uh, the MCU God, more or less, which yep. is the, the one above all. Um, and and I thought, I know it sounds really cheesy, and I don't think that they will ever do this, but I was like, oh, my God, what if it was Stan Lee? Wouldn't that be so sweet? <laughs> That'd be really sweet. I And I, over the weekend, uh, Daniel presented me with, presented Alyssa and I with a, a Snapchat explaining that the the writers. Or TikTok. Of, or TikTok, excuse me. Uh, same thing. Same thing. <laughs> sure, uh, sure, 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 sure that the writers of of Loki and or the MCU writers were were as you say at the end of of time and that 
we're going to be introduced to them that like the literal right marvel studio i saw like, an article we're, we're today we're going to see feige at the end yeah of the well, i saw an article today that suggested kevin feige was going to be a, a variant of kevin feige was going to be introduced i mean woof i mean it would be funny but i think there would be, it would a lot be of funny people... and then i would kill myself <laughs> correct correct <laughs> i'm sure people would not i be think pleased. that's just like a bridge too far yeah yeah it'd be like I... that well, what, what was the point of the show um, because again, I'll go back to the point I was making earlier and have made several times. You just don't want to damage everything that came before. Exactly right. Yeah. You, you don't know, when make you go it back to watch Endgame, moment. you don't want to be like, well, this is just like one possibility, and it's just kind of it's all leading up to a cheesy kind of irrelevant anyway. So right, totally. You don't you don't want a Rise of Skywalker this. No, right. And I I don't I don't mean to be like overly derogatory towards that no movie. You're, but, you're but please you're fine but like you just gotta be so careful that it, it, you just have to be careful with endings yep <laughs> yeah this isn't, this isn't yeah. an ending but you know no. what i mean like uh, an ending of, of of this portion right and uh i mean truly though this i mean whatever this is it is an end but it also i mean there's there is another season you yes, know? very much a beginning. It's 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 yeah. both, but so more than likely, whatever they're gonna find, they're probably not gonna wrap it up. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Do, do you do you introduce the TVA and then have it settled in six episodes? Uh, now that now that I know that there's an idea for a second season, I'm leaning towards no. Yeah, that especially a bureaucracy that big that has had such influence seemingly has had such influence over everything it's going to take a while to unpack that yeah no doubt and it's going to take more than three people to do it yeah i think that mobius is going to go back there and try to burn it all down and realize that like oh this is going to be much harder than i thought and right this is only a fake version of the tva and the real one is your real tva is in another castle (laughs) right so i wonder i wonder if we're a Kang variant is at the end of this. That, I, I think that's, that that seems probably the most believable at this point. But there's, I think I think it's an easy way for for them to to give us both. There's also the thought that it might be a Loki variant, but I feel like that's kind yeah. of a um, I don't know. And I I, I agree because I've heard people argue that you know we've already seen a bunch of Loki variants, so like to like have to reveal at the very very last episode that it's just another Loki variant like would be kind of a you know a cheap thing maybe but yeah. I don't know well and we talked about it a little bit like what if I think after episode one where one of us suggested that classic Loki might be the villain behind everything because oh, Richard right. Grant is such an intimidating character sure and, and 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 classic Loki being the Loki that succeeded, and th- this is the guy who seemingly overthrew New York and beat the Avengers, right? And did all this stuff, but inevitably so, was the hero of this story. <laughs> well, and he was, and I wonder if you undo that if if somehow you bring him into the fold, and and they've now set up his powers of illusion. Mm-hmm. So what if? There's a lot of elaborate bullshit going on. I mean, there there's something to be said there. It's plausible. Yeah, I plausible, I, would, I I wouldn't. Uh, it's not. We're not. I'm definitely not ready to uh, rule it out. But I I I think it's a less likely choice than Kang. Yeah. 
There's also when we talked about other nods to Kang. So, oh yeah, like the whole I th- like I the think beginning saw... of the episode where we were sweeping through the city. Like, well, yes, yes. The um, Avengers Tower was not really the Avengers Tower. Yes, Kang Tower, Q E N G, which uh-huh. is basically a a front for a very thinly disguised front for <laughs> Kang in the comics. Where nobody Tony caught Stark, on that. Like what? To- Tony Stark unknowingly sells the building to to Kang. You idiot. You idiot, Tony. Um. Also, the uh, Egyptian iconography. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been talking about Kang variants. So the That's very first, the- yeah, one of the first Kang variants, uh, he becomes the ruler of Egypt, Egypt, Egypt. <laughs> he becomes the leader of Egypt, Ramatut. Which and he, uh, he go he like doesn't he travel there in like a a time machine that's yes. like basically in the shape of the Sphinx or something? And yeah, and he he Hilarious. goes with the express purpose of just having a good time, having a good time. Uh, and we said I Kang said time. In- we said Kang intersects with so many characters in Marvel. So he goes back to Egypt to to basically take uh, the X-Men villain Apocalypse and make him his heir bitch. apparent. Make him his bitch. Because uh, Apocalypse was the first mutant ever born. He was born in Egypt. There's a whole story about that. Inter- so, like, the, the, just the Egypt nods. I was like, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, the Kang building. They're they're very that. clearly like leading us to believe that, which you know makes me hella sus. But also that I have to remember that like you know they're not necessarily playing to the uber nerds. Um, you know I have to remember to remind myself of that. They're they are they are creating this show for like nerds and non nerds alike. Yeah. You know, so whoever is on the other side of the void will be just as big of a like it'll be a maybe a huge whoa for people who are watching, and then it'll be just kind of like oh yeah, we all saw that coming, right. kind of for us, and it and it'll be fine. <laughs> Although I will say this episode has probably gone the furthest Marvel has gone yet in the series of like here you go nerds. Yeah, like, totally. Yes, like, just a lot of food. For, for the nerds. Num num. Num um, num nerds. So that so that's kind of the line of thinking on Kang. I think there's a way that to do Kang without actually doing Kang and it works for this series. That and, that totally maybe rings true for me. Maybe that's what this is. Um so we mentioned this being a a garbage heap of Right. Of stuff. A lot of there's, stuff. There's there's a lot of cool stuff here. So uh for instance you see a helicarrier, an Avengers-style helicarrier yes, crashed with... in the distance. You see uh, the Dark Aster, which was Ronan's ship. I was going to say that that, 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 um, that carrier has the, um, oh, God, the logo of the Hydra logo on it. So it's like in a... In a oh, an alter, uni- yeah. Yeah, it's like in a universe where they won. Basically. Well, yeah, hi, and and Hydra got pruned, yes, because they. Oh, that's yeah, that's really interesting too. Yes, they got pruned because they actually completed the takeover of Shield. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then you have Ronin's ship, the Dark Aster from Guardians right. of the Galaxy. Uh, you see a crashed version of that. You see a giant. We're jumping all over the place here, but you see a giant helmet. Oh, of, yes. Of um, 
the um, um not the bee but the uh, uh, yellow jacket uh, yes thank you yellow jacket yes. from ant-man and but a giant it dawned version. on me what if yeah what if he got pruned because he got really large instead of really small <laughs> yeah right very plausible it's like oh my that's so brilliant fun. brilliant uh, you have a really odd uh, an odd occurrence um you actually see in real time a US naval destroyer oh yeah pruned in real time and uh Eliath swallows it and i'm kind of going huh so i had actually heard this story and i didn't put two and two together so this is the USS Eldridge yep and it's a real destroyer it was uh, commissioned like midway through World War II and was in service until like the early 90s. Was it called the Philadelphia something? So it was part of this rumored, and I do use the word rumored heavily. <laughs> right. uh, it was called the Philadelphia Experiment. There it is. Where this this there's this guy who claims the ship disappeared and because they were trying and, to like they they were they had cloaking technology. They were or trying something. to make it invisible. Right. And then they really did. <laughs> yeah. And it was just, it's been an urban legend since. And there was a really, apparently, a, a not so good movie in the 80s called The Philadelphia Experiment, which kind like of a made played for up TV on this movie. idea. So that's what a funny deep cut that is. Very, very deep cut. Yes. Um, and I loved like them, like Loki's just like up there on the, on the hill watching it all happen. And Loki's like, hmm. Maybe we'll Yikes. do something else. <laughs> Here's, this is really interesting. So there's a giant head of a statue. Oh yes. And I didn't, I didn't see this in the episode. I or I guess I, 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 I remember seeing it, but not knowing what the hell it was. So it's the head of a living tribunal. Yeah. Okay. So what the heck? The living tribunal is basically. Uh, I mean that's the first hint know. of it we've gotten. Yes, they are an o- an overseer of the multiverse. Right. They're basically like, um, if I remember right, it's like the 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 one above all, and then like the living tribunal is just like right underneath him. Yeah. Or her. And or then her. and then I think you'd put the watcher in there somewhere, who will be introduced to in what if. Oh sure. J- Jeffrey Wright is voicing the watcher, who right. It's kind of our tour guide through the multiverse but mm-hmm, um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it stands to reason what if the tva is erasing any trace of the living tribunal because the living tribunal is the overseer of a multiverse they don't want to exist yikes yikes yeah yeah just very let that interesting sink in. yikes um and it's not I've, just the actual and uh, not not just them but their likeness as well which is mm-hmm, why it's a, there's right. a statue yeah right yeah, That's... just getting rid of iconography, getting rid of all fascism. of it. Fascism. That's what it is, fascism. <laughs> um, Y'all know the words. <laughs> uh, there's a mural in the TVA headquarters. Uh, it looks like Stanley is on there. Oh, this yeah. guy looks a lot like Stanley. Yeah. That was did. great. Um, um, can we talk about the Thanos helicopter? 
Yeah, I mean, that's what we were waiting for. <laughs> uh, oh, man, I didn't even know it existed, and I was like, no effing way. But, yeah, it's it's just a direct callback to one of the comics where Thanos literally is in a copter that is labeled the Thanos copter. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's from a Spider-Man comic book from 1979, <laughs> and Thanos is flying around New York City trying to get the comic Cosmic Cube in a helicopter with his name on it. Just truly wonderful. It just I that haven't. Yeah, they they that they they are, they're just telling us all that those those exist. Like anything like, that has happened in in the MCU history, comics or whatever it is, they exist in some version of the multiverse. Just so great. And I the the only reason I knew that existed is I I need to find the meme. There's a meme of the than of Thanos and the copter. That I saw you know several years ago and it's it's just very surreal to to see that even just great referenced um let's let's talk about thanos for a minute sure um why don't we it dawned on me this week okay so our loki in this series Mm -hmm. as we know is 2012 loki right 2012 loki still serves Thanos. Sure. He's not off the hook. Right. And 2012 Thanos is still alive. True. Like 2014 Thanos and 2019 Thanos are dead. (laughs) It's so confusing. I know. know. Wrap your head around that. Oh, Here's the math for you. Well, here's the math for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so like Thanos, we'll call him Prime Thanos. Yep. That we meet in real time gets decapitated by Thor. Right. In 2019. Right. Avengers Endgame, Thanos from 2014. 14. When he finds Nebula and Rhodey trying to get the Space Stone. Right. Or, uh, sorry, the uh, uh, Reality Stone. Sorry, there rea- you go, yeah. Yeah, it was power Reality Stone? Stone. No, you're right. No, Power Stone. Power Sorry. Stone. Thank you. Power Stone. The purple one is the Power Stone. Yes. So Thanos Thanos from 2014 jumps ahead in time to the present day, and then he gets dusted. But doesn't it stand to reason that, you know, in in the Loki timeline we're in right now, Thanos is alive and well? I guess, yeah. And Loki is still technically his bitch? Yeah. Well, I mean, not to mention, like, all the variant Thanoses, you know. That's the thing. It's like, they now have the the means and the justification to bring back, like, a really... Like, here's my prediction. We Hello, will see Secret Thanos. Wars. We'll see Thanos again, but it it's not going to be as we expect. Like, it's going to be not. some esoteric alternate version of him where he was like a philosopher instead of a, a warlord yeah or... like a really a really a really cool guy right <laughs> and and there are occasions he's especially... a singer he's actually a broadway singer yes the big room at caesar's <laughs> thanos and the black order <laughs> oh my god i would love i would oh, love that god very Featuring much. Proxima Midnight, Call Obsidian, <laughs> and the Maw. <laughs> oh shit! Oh, I would like that, that a lot. That needs to happen now. Yes, hundred percent. Um. Oh, what was I gonna say? Um. Sorry, Broadway Thanos. No. Um. Took you. Took you for a loop there. It did. 
Uh, but there, uh, no, I was, I, I know what I was going to say. The, there's precedent for Thanos to team up with the Avengers. Oh, sure. In certain situations. Yeah. And there's one very recently, like within the last few weeks, mm-hmm. where he teams up with the Avengers against Kang. Oh, interesting. That's fun. And honestly, I could totally see that. That would be a great way to sort of wrap it up. Like, you know, a very, very end gamey way uh-huh. to to end the phase. Like, you know, like, oh, we need the help of even some of our evil foes to, yeah. you know. I, I, I love that idea. But just knowing that there are alternate versions of these guys running around is interesting. It's going to get so confusing and wonderful. Um. Yeah, mention... how they navigate how how they navigate the multiverse is. We we were talking about it earlier in the episode that they just need to anchor us to the characters they're telling the story about and kind of yes. let the multiverse happen around them, kind of come in and out of their story. Yep. People probably should think... have name tags too. Right, some name tags that'd be helpful. Yeah, I mean they're doing a pretty good job at least, like, you know, like keeping the costumes consistent. I think. You know? Yeah. Yeah, they are. Yeah, um, I was gonna say this is that this is the probably the deepest dive I did, um, and I don't really know if anybody else has made this um, connection or not. But the symbol, um, at the very beginning of the show, when they're panning like upside down, and then they're like going mm-hmm. to where the timekeeper's door is, the symbol on the door, uh, is. Um, potentially a Norse rune, um, which it kind of looks like a bow tie, mm-hmm. um, and it's a uh, a daggers, 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 d a g a z, um, and it says it's connected to the daylight and inner self. Daggers is about illumination and understanding, the sun breaking through barriers. It is night becoming day and symbolizes the end of trials and tribulations. Dagas represents fulfillment at the end of a path and is the rune of awakening, of an awakening. Its Mm. shape also depicts the balance between negative and positive energy and the balance between light and darkness, Um, which I find interesting. Um... And um, also of note, and I I could be completely crazy and just drawing too many connections that are just coincidences, but um, the deviant from the uh, the very first episode, the 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 cartoon, um, has a bow tie um, on in every version of him. Um, I don't know if that's a connection, but I just you know the idea hmm. that. Um. Uh, I think that Loki is kind of like the perfect pa- balance of like light and dark, positive and negative energy. Right. You know, because he's like he's not really good and he's not really bad. He's like he's just he. I think he is like finding balance. Y- yeah, yeah. Um. Did I just make you poop your pants? <laughs> you did. You did. I just. My mind is just racing. I know. I know. Same. Can I tell um, you about something else that I saw that like blew my mind? And this is not. I don't. I. I you probably don't haven't seen the show because I don't think anybody has, which is very sad. But if you haven't, 
you should see it. Okay, so in the opening credits, there's our opening scene. When they're doing that same pan, they go past one of the the timeline screens. And mm-hmm. um, on the screen, you know, scrolling on the top, there's, you know, how it shows, like, different locations or whatever. Yeah. Um, one of the locations that's on there is Oak Island, Nova Scotia. Um, and judging by your face, I'm imagining that you haven't seen the show that I'm talking about. Um, so there is a show on the History Channel called The Curse of Oak Island. And I'm obsessed. It's a weird, weird obsession of mine. So when I saw that, I was like, oh, I got very I used to watch History Channel a lot, too. I, I, this, I'm not ringing. It's been on. I, I want to say that this is like. It's going to be like the ninth season almost or something. So it's okay. been like nine years and I've literally watched it from day one. Wow. <laughs> I know. I'm obsessed. It's weird. Wow. But it, wow. wow. But wow. it's about, um, uh, it revolves around this island in Nova Scotia called Oak Island, um, where um, allegedly um, there was some kind of treasure buried there. And like over the past 200 years, uh, people have been going there trying to to dig it up and find it. Um, so there's just a, a so much so much history in that place because something mm-hmm. very something of great significance happened on this island, but they're still piecing together what it is. Um, I mean, I don't want to spoil anything for you, but like um, they're getting they're seemingly getting a lot closer to figuring out what actually went like what happened at least the time frame because it mm-hmm. like it seems that it's like somewhere between the i think they said like the 1600s I, I i i digress it's a really really cool show but it's um uh um it, it's it's another like nod to mysteries you know like gotcha. things that happened in history that we're just like not really sure about kind of thing so yep. like they're, they're i think they're trying to elude that something you know that is, you know, it may have just been like a variant that that screwed something up there. I don't mm-hmm. know, but mm-hmm. it's um, I just yep. love it. But yeah, yeah go watch a... the Curse of Oak Island. It's a really great show. Also, and this is for another time. Uh, if you are remotely familiar with with Kang, uh, you know his history with the Fantastic Four, and that correct. Kang's real alias, Nathaniel Richards, uh-huh. is a descendant of the father of Reed Richards. Right. Just put that in your back pocket because yep. we know there's a Fantastic Four movie on, on the way too. And, um, Yepers. It'll be, uh, it'll be relevant. Um, Hello, Robin. But uh, I know we get caught up in kind of the, the macro view of, of the Marvel Universe and how each episode applies to the whole. But I, I love the detail that goes into each individual episode and this one was yeah. a big standout um i'll be pleased if they just land the plane even without a ton of revel now that we're conditioned to know what these shows are doing yeah i think wandavision we were thinking big like we were thinking reed richards we were thinking mephisto and yeah and while those characters have ties to that it's not it's not the role of these shows to do that like we, we are getting to see the 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 show works because we get to see Loki in a light we've never seen him before. And this is like Tom Hiddleston's magnum opus with the <laughs> really? character. Right. And and Sylvie is 
something you know i didn't know we needed but yeah, she's she's phenomenal terrific they're they're um i don't think we really talked about it during the the summary but um their their whole scene where they're sitting next to each other like oh, two high yeah. schoolers we didn't and, even mention that yeah and and just it, it dawned on just me just so kind of the comedy of, <laughs> right and just the comedy of them both being cold but i was like you two are frost gi- giant children like right. you're not actually cold yeah, you just want right, to be next to right. each other and like um i don't know it's just you take moments like that for granted when you have all these giant set pieces and and just action and Blitz kind and of glamour. disturbing occurrences and fast pace. So having moments like that, it's the only, it's the kind of thing you can only do on, you know, a six hour limited series, I think. Well, it's really mm-hmm. the glue that holds this show together. Cause yeah. the, the, the story of Tom Hiddleston or Tom Hiddleston's Loki, like his journey to like, um, uh, what do you call it? Like, self-knowing we'll just call it you know mm-hmm. um that is sort of like the central theme um and it sort of yeah it really holds holds the 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 show together because i mean obviously the glitz and glamour and the big booms and splashy whatever is super dope but if it didn't have that that meat in the middle it would be just a vegetarian sandwich and it would be gross <laughs> it would be, sorry vegetarians but it's just gross <laughs> Uh, no, but that's so true, and that's that's true for for Marvel in general, and yeah. I think that's why all, all good Marvel films have a yeah, where they have fallen short, the few times that they've and and when I say fallen short, I mean that relative to their best stuff, totally, because totally. Ma- Marvel as an entity has been consistently and titty great, yeah, and titty. <laughs> uh, but yeah, as you were saying, when Marvel's at its very best, and this is what Endgame just did so friggin' well. It did, it did three things at once. It had your intimate character-building moments. Right. It tied up character arcs that were established in 2008 and then delivered the greatest spectacle in <laughs> like modern filmmaking history. Truly. And and to do all of that uh, in the amount of time they were given, that, that, that speaks to like who Marvel, you know, Kevin Feige at the top, and then bringing in guys like Michael Waldron and, and Kate Heron to to direct it and uh, allowing different perspectives to kind of govern how we go forward mm-hmm. and and getting crazy alternate versions of Loki and, and, and stuff that if we had tried this 10 years ago would have been laughed off the screen. Oh, but- yeah, they would have said that you've jumped a shark. It's like this is ridiculous. You know why is you've why ever is heard he, that term before? Wh- jump the shark. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I use yeah. it all the time. Um, yeah, they'd be asking questions like why why is Richard E. Grant running around in green underwear? <laughs> and, like, but you absolutely buy it, and yes, yeah, yeah, you you can't you can't do that overnight. So it's just no, no. It took um, it it took them a long time to gain that trust. Yeah, and I think I think Loki has some of the best dialogue. I I I think just the best some of the best character beats in all of Marvel. And yeah, honestly, they've been really killing it with the shows because I think in every single show so far, we've been like, damn, that was a good line. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, WandaVision had kind of the the line of the year. What the line is, of lines, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, what is, what is uh, grief? No. Grief, if not love persevering. Yeah. Oh, God. 
and then Falcon Winter Soldier that the 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 whole storyline with Isaiah wrapped into their own personal demons. Yeah, and, very beautiful story. Uh, and all very you know all very timely and but but not in the obnoxious way, if you right. know what I mean. Yeah, it doesn't like it's feel the, forced. You know it's there because you feel it in your gut when you're watching it, mm-hmm. and that is writing uh, at its very best. Um, so I'm excited to see how where they they leave us at the end of next week yeah and, and i just um, want to sort of prepare everybody out there like this was the penultimate episode now normally like the big splashy whoa whoa wee wow would be this episode and then the next episode would be more of a let's all wrap it up mm-hmm. so don't be expecting like you know something big and splashy because it might not yeah. be that yeah. Um. Yeah. So just you know, everybody needs to temper down their expectations, and uh, remember that if you have any expectations, it's your own fault. <laughs> yes. We you know. We, yeah. The, it's it's clear that they like to play around with us, but that's because they know we can be played with. Correct. Yes. And and their job, as we've said, is to tell Loki's story mm-hmm. and. I am so guilty of this, but let's not next week worry about what's five years down the road based on what's introduced. Totally. Why that's so cool, and I—I I mean, we're gonna—we're always gonna talk about it. And of course. That's what makes Marvel so great is that it's one kind of long-running serial. But, uh, but just just kind of enjoy the ride Loki has taken us on, and don't yeah. take don't take this story for granted because it is so good. Um, yeah. And I'm looking forward to it. Same. Uh, me too. Uh, we've got more Marvel coming this way. Um, uh, this coming week for you, we're gonna have our Black Widow recap, which yes. we are seeing tomorrow night. Ooh, we're recording. Wee! We're recording this on a Wednesday, so we'll be seeing this Thursday night. Uh, and we'll uh, we'll chat about that and bring that to you. Uh, and Alyssa we will be back. Bad Batch times. We have more Bad Batch. Bad Batch. Bad Batch should really um, kind of accelerate here in terms yes. of their end game, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, but Alyssa will be back with us when she's done shooting her film. Because if you don't remember, we are actors and we do like acting when they let us do it. So um, And getting paid for it. Imagine and that. And getting paid for it. So we're very happy for our friend and we miss her. And uh, uh, she'll be back with us next week. But um, do you have any final thoughts, Danny boy? I like grapes. <laughs> That's it. Uh, okay. Well, this is Inside the Tauntaun, <laughs> a Star Wars podcast. Big old we outside the Tauntaun. Well, see ya. I'm Dino Nicandros. And I'm Daniel Dawson. And uh, we, usually oh, we God, have we Alyssa really here to kind of help this. us. This is really hard. She always lands the plane for us, so uh, we're just going to say goodbye now. Just crash. Yeah, ah, just, the plane just is go, crashing! <laughs> go home. The episode's over. <laughs> it's over. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.